0: All right, we are going to continue our series we started last week called "This Little Light," and we're oh, this is Vicky's notes. Sorry, I'm easily distractible. Um, we're continuing our series called "This Little Light" that we started last week, talking about basically letting our light shine. We know that Jesus is the light of the world. And this is Christmas time. We celebrate that Jesus was born in Bethlehem in a manger. That the light that gives light to all men came into the world. And Jesus is the light of the world. But we are the light of the world through him. An amazing thing Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. If we put that up there, Matthew 5 Uh, 14 through 16 Jesus is talking to his disciples and to the masses and he says you are the light of the world. So by way of recap we'll go through understanding what we covered last week real quickly and then we'll get into new material but Jesus is the light of the world. He came into this world 2,000 years ago born in a manger the light of the world and then he says to other people you are the light of the world. So Jesus is the light of the world, but he says to us that we are the light of the world. What does that mean? That means, verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. It's not that we are the light, but we are the keepers of the light of Christ and we share that light with the rest of the world. In uh, John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, we covered this last week, in Him was life, this is Jesus, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. The light of Christ shines in the darkness, that light is the light of men, the light of all people. We can receive the light of Christ, and when we receive that, we are to let our light shine. And that light is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The wonderful gospel of Christ that Jesus saw, God saw the darkness of this world, the sin, how messed up everything was. And his response to a messed up world wasn't to eliminate it, to destroy it, but was to redeem it. And so forgiveness of sins was brought into this world by Christ's life and death on the cross And that gospel, that whoever you are, whatever you've done, through faith you may be saved, receive eternal life, forgiveness of sins, purpose in this life, and glory forever, is the message of the gospel. And our job is to receive that light and share that light. What could possibly go wrong with that? Right? It doesn't Like telling people... Jesus loves you so much that he came to this world to die for your sins so that you could be forgiven and have everlasting life with God. How could that go wrong? That's such a great message. But sometimes people get mad about that and they're not so excited about it and that sort of a thing. And so, you know, uh, that's what we're talking about in this series. Let your light shine. And sometimes we have to let our light shine in a hostile world. And so the first step to letting our light shine, is to hold our ground. We need the light to shine in our hearts. If we don't have the light in us, we're in trouble. We read about that in Matthew chapter 6, 22 and 23. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus, in the same message where he said, you are the light of the world, the Sermon on the Mount, he says this in the next chapter, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Is it possible for people who go to church to have the light within them be darkness? Oh, man. If you are someone who has followed Christ for any length of time, you know there's times where that light within you is shining bright and things are going good and you're encouraged and strong and full of faith. And then there's other times, right? <laughs> there's other times where you're not so full of faith, where things aren't going so great, where you're slipping into error and mistakes and problems and, and you just feel like so many things are coming against you that you can't battle through. If the light within us is darkness... We're in a bad spot. And so we need to know how to keep our eyes good so that we can be full of light. We need to know how to hold our ground so that the light of Christ can shine within us so that we can share that with the world. If we don't have it within us, who's going to share it with the world? You know what I mean? Like if church people can't get the light of Christ to shine, then we're in real trouble, right? So we've got to be able to grab hold of it. Let that light shine. Um, What does it look like when it's working? We want to know what does the world look like when the gospel is working? That is in Acts chapter 2, verses 43 through 47. This is what it looks like when the gospel is working. My favorite piece. Of this whole sermon. Is reading this. Verse 2. Verse starting. I'm sorry. Chapter 2. Verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. So when people came up for prayer. There were miracles that were happening. Lives were being changed. The people were Filled with awe, God was doing awesome things. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. So people were generous with one another. They were taking care of one another. They were noticing what the needs were and they were helping each other out. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They couldn't stand to wait till the weekend to have church again. They just got together. You know, hey, I'm off work. You ready? Let's go have some church. And they would gather together in the temple courts and have church every day. Amazing stuff. Have you ever gone to like a Christian camp or to a conference where it's just, you know, it's, Meeting after meeting after meeting and it just sort of builds and builds and and you grow spiritually and it's this awesome experience. That was what was going on back then, except I imagine significantly better than anything we've ever experienced in our lives. I don't know. it It was going good. So they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together. So not only did they meet in the public arena in the temple courts, but they had individual relationships with each other and invited people over to their homes, and they were building close relationships that way. So they had big group meetings. They had small group meetings. They had glad and sincere hearts. They were praising God. Everyone knew it wasn't the cool new church. It was the power of God. You know? It's it's great to be a cool new church. It, It is. There's nothing wrong with that. However, if God is pushed to the background because of, you know, coolness or Pastor Mike is so awesome or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, if people fall in love with Pastor Mike instead of falling in love with Jesus, we got a serious, serious problem. They were praising God. They weren't saying, wow, Peter's really good at speaking. You know? They were praising God. And they enjoyed the favor of all the people. So what that means is, as the revival was happening, as the gospel was exploding in the lives of people, the rest of the culture around it saw that and said, this is a good thing. Something good is happening here. I don't know what happened to Aunt Edna last week when we, she went to those meetings, but man, she has something different in her now than she did before. Something good is going on there. And because of that positive buzz, people started showing up who hadn't showed up before. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So the light came into the world. The people caught the light. They shared it with others. Miracles happened. They gathered together. They built relationships. They praised God. Everybody on the outside thought it was going great. So they came in and got saved themselves. Every day people were getting saved. Isn't that awesome? That's the light coming into the world. That's the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How long did that last? Well, this is Acts chapter 2. By chapter 8, there was internal problems in the church. Some got solved, some were kind of a little bit unpleasant. There were external pressures with people who didn't agree theologically with the way. There were people being arrested, apostles being arrested, being beaten. Stephen was already stoned and dead by chapter 8 of Acts. There was a great persecution that broke out. It didn't last for a generation. I don't even think it lasted a year. The light was shining in the darkness, and the darkness did not understand it. And then there was persecution. There was difficulty. Instead of the great, wonderful, glorious gospel of Jesus Christ spreading and everybody being excited, there was difficulties and hardships and struggles. And in our world, we have those difficulties and hardships and struggles as well. So we need to be able to have the light shine within us and not have it get extinguished so that that light can continue to show itself in this world. Hold your ground. We're going to talk more about holding your ground and keeping that light within you today. So let's pray And we'll get into some new material this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your holy scriptures. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Father, that you don't leave us here to wander around, do the best we can, but you guide us by your spirit and you guide us by your word. Help us to grab hold of what you've got for us today. Help us to see what you've already provided. Help us to take a step forward in serving you. And Lord, let your light shine in our hearts ever brighter. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Here is the main point that I want you to understand the implications of. And it is simply this Jesus has already come. We celebrate at Christmas time the birth of Christ 2,000 years ago. Jesus has already come. Understanding your point in history is very important. My parents grew up in the Depression era. My mother likes to save things. That's very helpful during the Depression. But, after the Depression is over, if you still think you live in the Depression, you're going to not really grab hold of the opportunities that are there in front of you. Understanding where you are in history, where you are in the development of human culture is very important. We live in the time after Jesus has already come. We live in the time where the Messiah has already showed up. Where the deliverer, where the healer, the rescuer has already come. So what does that mean, If you need deliverance and healing and forgiveness, if the Savior has already come, do you need to wait for God to send the Savior? No. The Savior's already been sent. Now we just need to share in what God has already done. You catching me? You with me on this? That's the cue to nod and. Yeah. All right. Very good. Every, even if people don't understand, they know, now's the time when I nod. They know, they know that. So, <laughs> I learned to do that in school. Yes, I know what I'm supposed to do. I will, I will bring my homework tomorrow. I, yes, I will. What are we supposed to do again? You know, as, <laughs> Jesus has already come. The, sa- the Savior has already come. We understand this pretty well when it comes to forgiveness of sins. Do we hope maybe someday God will do something about our sin problem? No, we understand that Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago to take away our sins. And all we have to do is share in that in order to have our sins taken away. Right? I mean, nobody ever prays, Lord, would you please someday do something about sin? I know I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. Would you please do something about that? We don't pray that way. Because we know that Jesus has already died on the cross. And forgiveness of sins is sitting there for us to take. It's already been provided for. The Savior has already come. Jesus has already died on on the cross for our sins. So forgiveness of sins is already there. So if somebody has trouble understanding that forgiveness of sins is already there, we need to help them share in what God has already done, not wait for God to do something. Right? Now people sometimes have trouble sharing in the forgiveness of sins because they don't think they deserve to be forgiven. Or they don't think that God could possibly care about them individually. Maybe God cares about the whole world, but about me? Who am I? And they misunderstand certain things. Let me tell you, Jesus died on the cross for your sins, that your sins may be forgiven. It's already been provided. It's already there. So we don't wait for God to forgive us of our sins. We share in the forgiving power that's already been provided. So forgiveness of sins is already there, right? I wonder what else is already there. Are there other things, spiritually speaking, that are available to us that have already been provided, that are sitting there in the spirit realm for us to share in? What else is there? wouldn't it be great to know? Because if we're begging God to finally do something about stuff, that, but He's already done it, and all we need to do is share in it, then we can grab hold of it. One of those things, it's actually a group of things, that has been provided for us, that is there for the taking, for the sharing in, is what Paul describes in his letter to the Ephesians as the armor of God. If we are going to keep the light shining within us in a hostile world where there are spiritual battles going on and there is armor available to us, let's take it. Let's have ourselves some armor. If you're going to go into a spiritual battle and you're going to have no armor on, that's dangerous. I mean, imagine going to war with no armor. Well, I'm just going to trust God. So I'm I'm wearing me my basketball shorts and I'm heading out to to war. That's going to be a bad plan. Why would we th- Oops. I love how resilient little people are. They just bounce off the floor. Off they go. I'm in that transitional time in life. You know, there's the time when you're little, you bounce off the floor, you don't even notice, you go about your business. Now when I go on the floor, I lay there for a while. <laughs> but then I do get up, you know? <laughs> and so, I'm open to hang on to that stage of life because there's a point where you lay down and then you have to call 911 and somebody else has to pick you up. <laughs> and so... I'm glad I can still get up. Praise God. (laughs) Amen. So we go into spiritual battles whether we want to or not. You know, if there's a war going on, you don't get to decide whether or not you're involved. Right? If tanks come rolling through your backyard, you don't get to say, Well, I'd rather not have tanks in my... It doesn't matter. There they are. And we find ourselves in the middle of spiritual battles whether we want to be or not whether we're aware of them or not. So we might as well put on the armor because the flaming arrows are coming. Paul talks about the armor of God with the church in Ephesus. And I want to talk about the relationship that the Apostle Paul had with the people of the church in Ephesus. The Apostle Paul was basically a missionary evangelist. He would go from town to town. He would preach the gospel. People would get saved. He would set up churches and then move on to the next town. And in Ephesus, he was there for about three years, which is a really long time for a guy like that. And he built very strong relationships with the people there because they battled through it together. You know, they overcame obstacles. They brought the truth of Christ to that region. They did that together. You know how when you, when you fight battles together, there is a bond created. And they did that. They had that bond. And to explain the bond, the Apostle Paul talks about how he has to leave the Ephesians, and that's recorded in Acts chapter 20, where Paul says, hey, these three years have been awesome. God's calling me away. I've got to go. And I know God's got things for me to do over there that mean I'm never, ever coming back here. So Paul tells that to the Ephesians after three years. And here is the account of it in Acts chapter 20. When he had said this, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. Someday I will retire from active pastoral ministry And somebody will get me a cake. (laughs) And it'll say, thanks, Pastor Mike. See you later. (laughs) And we'll all eat cake and it'll be fine, right? It'll, It'll be nice. When Paul left the church in Ephesus, they wept. They grabbed onto him. They were tight. And so, do you think Paul thought about them later? Paul loved those people. And years later, he writes them a letter. And he wants to help them. He wants to make sure that they can get through this difficult life. And so he writes them a letter and he tells them about the full armor of God because I'm sure he's heard reports about how it's going. And when you hear reports, sometimes it's going great, sometimes not so great. Oh, what happened with this person? Oh, you know, what happened with this? Oh, it's great. There's ups and downs. And so he's hearing these reports and he's thinking, oh Lord, what do they need in Ephesus? And the Holy Spirit shows him to share with them the full armor of God so that they can guard the light that's within them In the midst of spiritual battles. So let's read through that in Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For all the saints. Let's work through this bit by bit. We still have a little bit of time. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Back to the beginning of that section. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Put on the full armor of God. Who is responsible to get armor on you? You put on the full armor of God. Too many people say things like, well, God in His sovereignty, when He wants me to have a helmet, He'll give me a helmet, you know, but till then I'm just going to sit here, you know, and get beat in the head. You put on the helmet. You put on the belt. You put on the breastplate. You are the one who's supposed to do that. Don't blame God when you don't have the armor because the Bible says you put it on. We have to put on the full armor of God. The day of evil comes. Have you ever experienced... The day of evil in your life. Do you think you've experienced the last one that you'll ever have? If those days are coming. We should put some armor on. If it's available to us. And we can make it through those days. Because we've got a good shield. We've got a good helmet. We're We're ready. We should put that armor on. Who is our fight against? Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's one of the, you know, the devil is a schemer. He schemes, which means he's got to trick you. He's got to confuse you. He's got to get you off track so that you do something just a little bit wrong, but enough to mess things up. The devil schemes, and one of his primary methods of scheming is to get us to think that our struggle is against flesh and blood. Is our struggle against flesh and blood? No, our struggle is for flesh and blood. Jesus died on the cross to set people free from their sins. He didn't die on the cross so that we could look at people and go, wow, what a rotten human being that is. That's not why he died on the cross died on the cross to set people free from their sins our struggle is not against flesh and blood in fact our struggle is for flesh and blood to help people know the truth of God so that they can be set free our struggle is not against flesh and blood don't get confused about that but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, go on to the next one there you go, thank you And against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Are there spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms? There are. Wouldn't it be great if there wasn't? Who gets to decide that? Do theology books decide that? No. The reality dictates the reality. There are spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It would be great if there wasn't. I would prefer that there wasn't. In heaven there won't be. There will be a complete separation of darkness and light. Evil will be taken away and we will have everlasting life in the paradise of God without those spiritual forces of evil and that's going to be awesome. That is not today. Just as we know that today is the day after Jesus has come, He already has been here, we need to understand that today is not the day where all the darkness is taken away. We're in the midst of darkness battling for us and for other people in this world. So there are spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. At this stage in history, God does not take away evil, but he equips us with armor so that we can stand. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. If you ever felt like you couldn't stand up underneath something, like it was going to sweep you away or crush you, there's a promise that there is armor that we can put on and be confident in knowing we can stand our ground. I want to have my feet firmly planted. And be able to withstand whatever. And stand. So we want to put on the full armor of God. How do we do that? Maybe you guys understand stuff quicker. I'm slow takes me years. I think, put on the full armor of God, what do you mean? What exactly does that mean? How exactly do I do that? You know, I want the full armor of God, but I know that just hearing about something and then walking away and saying, well, that was a nice verse. Wasn't that nice? I I really liked it. Oh, that was a very beautiful thing. That doesn't do me any good. How do I put on the full armor of God? Because the devil might fool me into thinking I'm wearing the armor when I'm not, and then I'm in a world of hurt. How do I put on the full armor of God? Well, one question is, is that armor there available for us, or do we somehow have to make it? Forgiveness of sins is sitting there in the heavenly realms for us to grab. And the full armor of God is sitting there in the heavenly armory ready for us to just check it out. Hey, it's Mike. Can I have my armor? Yep, it's sitting here waiting for you. It's already there. Your armor is sitting there. It's already been provided. You just have to go get it and put it on. How do we do that? Well, how do we put on the belt of truth? We need to love the truth. We need to embrace the truth. You know, truth is not what you want it to be all the time. Maybe you look in the mirror and you think, bummer. You know? But you have to face the truth. The truth is the belt. And the Holy Spirit guides us into the truth. We don't have to figure it out on our own, but we can receive it from god john 16 12 and 13 we're going to go through different uh scriptures to look at how do we put on the full armor of god each thing where does god help us in this because yes we put it on but god helps us and it's already been provided so we do our part we know god does his part john 16 jesus says to his disciples and again this i really think this is my life verse verse 12 I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. (laughs) What could we receive? What great truths of God could we grab hold of if we were only capable of receiving them, of understanding, of walking in the great truths of God? But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. So what Jesus is saying to his disciples is you're not ready to hear everything right now but in your life there will be moments in time where you're ready to learn something, where you're ready to grow and in those moments the Holy Spirit will give you the peace you're ready to take. And so the Spirit will guide you into all truth over time as you grow and are able to receive it. So we put on the belt of truth By allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth of God piece by piece, bit by bit, day by day as we go through life and as we learn. So we put on the belt of truth. The breastplate of righteousness. That big metal thing that covers your heart. How do we put on the breastplate of righteousness? There is a righteousness that's provided in heaven for you that is not your own. Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 21, says, but now a righteousness from God apart from law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify." This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. There is a righteousness from God for those who have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So that righteousness is not based on me. That righteousness is something God has provided that I share in. What if you could put on that breastplate of righteousness and know you are okay? You are not a rotten, worthless failure. You are not a bad person. You are not unlovable. You are all right which is righteous. You're all right. God's all right with you because he has made you all right. It's another one of the devil's schemes is to make us think we are no good. When our righteousness is in Christ, it's been provided for us in heaven, it's there. Put it on. The shoes of the gospel of peace. Shoes fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. What is that? Now the gospel, of course, is already there. We don't come up with the gospel. It's there. But what is the gospel message? The gospel of peace. The gospel is that when we see someone who is broken, who is hurting, who's been dragged down by this world, who's been battered and beaten, and they're in so much pain, they need someone to rescue them, we don't look at them and go, man, what a loser. We say, man, oh, what the gospel can do for this person. Oh, what the light of Christ can do for this person. Oh, we want to help them. Shoes fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The shield of faith. Man, 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 man. I should have made this one ser- this one sermon just a whole series in and of itself. This, the shield of faith. Maybe we do will sometime. Did you remember when we read that about the shield of faith that extinguishes all the fiery arrows of the evil one? If you knew you had a shield that would extinguish all the fiery arrows of the devil, where could you go? What could you do? You can hold up that shield, you can walk. You can be free. The, I want that shield. How many people have been hit by a fiery arrow of the evil one? Yeah. Do you think another arrow might come your way? So let's grab that shield. How do we do that? That's a nice verse. How do you do that? (laughs) Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. We don't build our faith by feeling guilty for not having enough faith and trying to have more faith. That's the normal Christian strategy, is feel guilty for not having faith and then just try to have more. Doesn't work. Faith comes by hearing the truth of God. We need to read and listen to the truth of God over and over again and then we will start to believe it and our shield of faith will begin to grow. That's how we pick up the shield of faith is we see what the Bible says, what the truth of God is, and we begin to believe it and that is faith and it begins to be powerful in our lives and that is the shield. The helmet of salvation If you went to war and you knew you couldn't die, how good of a soldier would you be? Can't die. You'd do pretty good. The helmet of salvation. How scared would you be if you knew you couldn't die? What if the other team had big tanks that made loud noises? Would you be scared? What if it was dark out when they did that? (laughs) But you knew you couldn't die. You might be startled. But you'd have something deeper. You know I'm going to be okay. That's the helmet of salvation. Salvation is provided for us by God. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. That gift is there. We share in. Everlasting life the devil can't kill us. we can't die. when we trust in Christ, we have everlasting life That's a helmet and the sword of the spirit. Let's read Luke 11 thirteen We'll close with that. I'll invite the prayer team up, then we'll pray Luke 1113 the sword of the Spirit. But you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. So even people who are bad people can have Christmas, right? You can give presents to your kids. It's all good. Do we have prayer teams? Have prayer teams come up. That'd be fantastic. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Is the Holy Spirit there in the heavenly realms for us to share in, to receive of? The Spirit is there. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's a very important thing. If I'm doing battle, spiritual battle, spiritual warfare, which Paul describes there in the next... Uh, verse after he talks about the sword of the Spirit. You know, praying the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Pray for all the saints. He's saying, speak the truth of God over the situation. When the devil says, you're a rotten piece of garbage it's never going to amount to anything, you say, well, I may have done my things and made my mistakes, but my righteousness isn't based on me. My righteousness Is based on what Christ has done for me. And so you can't tell me. I'm worthless. Because that's not true. That's the sword of the spirit. And we. We. Speak the word of God. Over the situation. To do spiritual warfare. In that situation. So here's my question to you. If we know days of evil come we know flaming arrows are pointed at us and we know that the full armor of God is available to us, what pieces of the armor do you need? Where's the gap in your defense? Do you need the belt of truth? You gotta put that on the breastplate of righteousness guarding your heart knowing you're okay the shoes fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace to where we go out into a dark world and make a positive difference the shield of faith you know that shield can be different sizes too you know you might have a shield this big you can stop the occasional arrow but some of them get through It might need to be bigger. The helmet of salvation. The sword of the Spirit. What do you need from God's heavenly armory so that you can take your stand? Let's pray and understand that those things are already provided. We just need to grab hold of them and put them on. And then I'll open up the front for personal prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you don't leave us here to defend ourselves against the enemy, but you equip us. Lord, you you give us the tools we need to be able to take our stand, to not be swept away, to not be crushed, to not have our hearts broken and be unrepairable. But Lord, you give us the full armor that allows us to take our stand. But Lord, we need to put it on. So I pray that you would show each one of us where the gaps in our armor are. Lord, help us to see so that we can grab hold of what you have already provided. Share in your blessings. Share in your strength. Help us to receive so that when those fiery arrows come, they will be extinguished and then we will stand strong that your light will shine in our hearts unhindered that we won't be in despair that we won't be crushed but that your light will shine so that then your light will shine around us into our world so Lord encourage us give us strength and help us to walk in the protection of your armor in Jesus name I pray Amen Amen. Come on down for personal prayer. If you need some of that armor of God, you're not sure how to get it, come down, get prayer. Whatever the need is, doesn't matter. Come on down, get prayer. You don't even need to know what it is. Come on down, get prayer. Otherwise, you're dismissed. Say hi to somebody you don't know and encourage them in the Lord this morning.